Hello and welcome to episode 28 of the Sustainable E-Commerce Podcast, the show dedicated to helping you build your brand for a healthier planet. And once again, I'm your host, Giles Smith. Now, when it comes to single-use plastics, one of the key areas of focus for government intervention over the past few years has been shopping and produce bags. Of course, retailers and supermarkets have been spun off in all different directions over the past decade, from biodegradable to reusable. But through it all, one brand has been helping to change the game by providing collapsible produce bags designed to keep on you for whenever you need them. Now, my guest today is Hayley Clark, Managing Director of WA brand Onya, who have been leading the charge against single-use plastics since back in 2004. Today, the brand provides reusable shopping bags, produce bags, beverage containers, as well as a range of compostable waste bags. They were one of the earliest brands in Australia to gain B Corp certification. They've become a 1% for the Planet member and they ensure their workforce is climate positive through ecology. It's a rare privilege indeed to get to share in the stories from inside a sustainable brand that's been running for over 20 years. And I hope you enjoy learning from Haley as much as I did. So with that, let's start the show. Hayley Clark, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me, Giles. It's a pleasure. I love the Onya brand. I think it's absolutely awesome. And I keep seeing it everywhere I look these <laughs> days. In, in just about every um, sustainable brand retail store there is, I see you guys cropping up. And so knew you were someone I wanted to come and have on the show. So thank you very much for joining. I really appreciate that. Fantastic. Thanks for having me. So let's have a bit of backstory before we get into some nitty gritty details about Onya and all the things that amazing things you're doing. So um, obviously, Hayley Clark, you're the CEO, but not the founder. You picked the business up back in what, 2016? I think it's about right. 15. 15, 15. Yeah. So tell us about that journey. Like what, why did you come and um, decide to come and pick up that particular business of all the ones you could have had? And what what does it meant to you? And, and how, how did that process play out? Sure. Well, my partner and myself had come from a national retail background. So we we had been franchisees for quite a big national retail group and we'd been doing that for the, the previous decade. And, you know, if you know anything about a lot of retail, certainly up until, you know, probably, you know, still definitely ongoing, but but um, it, it, a lot of retail is about landfill. <laughs> Let's be honest. It's about buying stuff, consuming it, and sending it to landfill. Um, and I think, you know, after a decade of kind of doing that, it gets it gets a bit wearing. Um, also being on a shop floor seven days a week is pretty exhausting uh, kind of way to go. And as much as I really, really enjoyed customer service, I think it was there was definitely a point there where we, we were like, okay, we need a break now. We need to do something different. But we wanted to do something that was worthwhile and that was good. And so having spent the previous 10 years, you know, helping people send things to, to landfill, we really wanted to make up for that, I guess. And so we, we were, we had our ear to the ground of really trying to find that perfect fit for us. And um, when Anya came along, uh, we, we had looked at a number of different types of businesses, all sorts. We were sort of open to anything. But uh, when when the opportunity to purchase Anya came up, I had actually some years previously been in a, in a farmer's market and purchased some reusable produce bags. And I was saying to my partner, Jared, I was like, 
I'm pretty sure this is the brand of the produce bags that I have. And, and sure enough, I checked them and it, and it was. And I, I always liken it to the, uh, you know, the Remington ad, if you, if you know, you know, I love the company so much that I bought it, you know, that kind of thing. Um, so that's how it kind of felt for Anya, whereas it's like, oh, I, you know, I love the company so much that I ended up buying it. So um, I, I just thought that was a really good serendipitous moment where, uh, where I was like, man, I've been using these produce bags for years and now I have the opportunity to own this company. And I, and yeah. I just thought that was, that was fantastic. And, and the company itself had been started by, by a guy called John Bruce. And, and um, you know, he, he'd done an amazing job where he actually got the company started by, you know, he, he dreamed up this idea of, of having a, a, a product that stuffs into a pouch and that you can keep on you right which is where where the name comes from so that's on you right so it's also a great australianism and i think that's probably what most people think right because that's what i thought until i heard you say that on another podcast show somewhere i thought oh it's just gonna yeah. be you know, good on you for doing the right thing i just thought that makes sense it's it's both but it's also about yeah. keeping it on you so most of our product stuff down to a little pouch the size of your fist they have carabiners so you can clip it onto your bags or belts or whatever so um about keeping it on you and, and not forgetting and that was really john's motivation really a lot of people would, would go to the supermarket at that time and forget their re usable um, mm. shopping bags and so he was really trying to to solve that problem and he literally got into his car and he drove around Australia with these bags in the back of his car and 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 got on your started that way and, and drove across the whole length and breadth of the country um, selling them um, and getting on board stockists and that's that's what re- he really did to get that started so he had so we, where we'd been in national retail for 10 years in that 10 years he'd been he'd been sort of growing the on your business had been around since wow. 2004 so he had got to the end of his uh, you know cycle about where he thought he could take the business and what he wanted to do next and what happened you and I think you know it gets like that in business you know you get that 10 12 years under your belt with the same business and if you're an entrepreneurial spirit um you're kind of ready Mm. for that next challenge you know and I think it's definitely where John was at and so it was great timing for us so um we we came in from that national retail background so we knew immediately you know we could see we wanted to do this and that and we we wanted to introduce responsible packaging because at that time they didn't really have any form of packaging at all and it, and it, it from a retail perspective it was quite confusing for customers on a shop shelf you just saw this little ball of color and you didn't really know what it was it was there was nothing on there to indicate what what it was and so people would walk past and so our goal obviously was trying to get sustainable products and reusable products into as many people's mm. hands as possible. And so uh, we came in and we we, we introduced um, our packaging and that's made of post-consumer recycled materials. It's printed with plant-based inks and it's fully recyclable and compostable at the end of its life. So um, we thought we could, we could introduce this most sustainable packaging that we can if we have to have packaging but it immediately sales shot up because people were like oh okay it's a you know reusable produce bags and they could sort of see you know what this is and what this means and that makes sense and 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 so it just all of a sudden you know our our, um our stockers were ringing us going oh so you know sales are going really really great initially we had some pushback from some of our stockers because they were like oh we don't want it all packaged and da 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 but actually, then they admitted in the end that it actually helped increase their sales because because customers could actually see yeah. what they were buying. And and we in our national retail you know background, we had very much had one on one customer service. You know, so someone would walk in the door and we'd spend this time with them and we'd sell them you know all of this stuff. Oftentimes, retailers don't have the time to do that, and so your packaging really has to do that hard work. Yeah, it's it's so interesting you say that because that's such an interesting and powerful point you just made that I want to pick on a little bit because you know I think I think as sustainable brands we have um, 
an understandable hate-hate relationship with packaging, right? I mean, we know yeah. that, especially for e-commerce, we know that probably the majority of what we produce gets ends up in landfill at the present time. Yes. You know, from, and, 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 and like I've even heard numbers like 30, 40% of landfill is actually product packaging. So, so it's a good reason that we hate packaging, but yes. it's also a very powerful way of telling your story yes. and helping your consumer understand what your product actually is when there's no real live salesperson to take you through that journey yes. right so it's so interesting that you say yeah, that yeah yeah no it's it's, it's incredibly powerful because mm. you know if yeah if, if you don't have a salesperson around that packaging has to do all the heavy lifting of 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 really explaining what it does and that's why it's so important to to really put some good thought into that, um, you know, obviously the first port of call is always about what the package is made for and what's the end of life. Uh, and then then secondly about what it should look like and what what messages that you want to portray to people. You know, if they just, if you are literally, all you can do to sell something is for them to pick up your box and or whatever it is yeah. and look at it and try and get them to sell. What does What's important? What's important to be on that packaging? What do your customers really need to know? What pain points are you hitting? Yeah, using your packaging to explain to the customer what problem you're actually solving is actually a very, very smart uh, way to yes. do it. But I want to backtrack a bit because the brand started back in 2004 uh, um, with the original founder. Correct. What an amazing foresight he had to see that this would be a thing. Because back in 2004, nobody was thinking about getting rid of single-use plastic bags, were they? Nobody was thinking about that stuff. No, it was on no one's radar. Even when you picked it up in 2015, it wasn't the case. No, it was, It was. was. you were shouting into an empty room so much of the time. Yeah. So how how has yeah. all of that changed? What? How have the market dynamics changed of all that since you picked it up? Yeah, look, I think... I think anyone in the sustainable space will say in Australia that um, a lot of the big turnarounds started to come in 20, I want to say 16 or 17, when the War of Waste aired um, on the ABC. And that was pivotal in just getting the mass group of people to understand the issue around plastic pollution. Uh, because even though we had been obviously saying it for a long, long time and trying to do that, you know, we're, we're only reaching a tiny proportion of an audience, uh, whereas that national broadcasting mm. of this issue just created incredible awareness. And so for us in particular, um, that was a, a huge time for us because we were the, virtually the only ones in Australia doing anything like this. Yeah. Um, and, and so people were, you know, we, we deal with obviously a lot of, you know, government departments and all of that kind of stuff. We do custom branding, all of those sorts of things. And so people were just coming to us and it felt like at the time we were sort of, it felt like we were helicoptering <laughs> stock in. It was sort of a really nutso sort of time trying to keep up with the demand. Um, for that. And then, um, you know, of course, as things then progress, you know, things settle down, which is good because we we couldn't have sustained, you know, what, what we were doing at that time, you know, and then, and then of course you get, you know, your copycats yeah, come absolutely. in and all of that stuff. And, and, and that's been about for us about differentiating our brand from, from those that are greenwashing and, and actually have nothing behind them. They say it's the, the ultimate form of flattery, don't they? When you get people copying your brand, because I think anybody that's been in the marketplace for a while ends up with copycats, especially if you're making stuff in China. And so I want to talk about sourcing in China in a minute, because I know there are some really interesting stories and journeys that you've had there, I don't doubt. But give us a sense, if you can, of 
where you've taken the brand since that pivotal moment like when you picked it up at 2015 roughly how big was it what was it doing and then that what was that moment like what what does it look like today comparison like where what what sort of journey growth have you been on um it it was it was tiny at the time when we we picked it up so um you know uh yeah yeah it was it was you know john john was just exhausted i think yeah. at the end and so um you know it was it was really in decline um at, at that point um and it really needed some you know that new injection yeah. of fresh ideas and that kind of stuff and um you know it was exactly the sort of project that we were looking to sink our teeth into and so as i said you know one of the things that we did was we we rebranded we kept the name but we we rebranded and so we worked with a, a local perth um, agency that helped us um w- what ended up being a very simplistic logo um which it just says Anya, but actually it's worked brilliantly for us um from a social perspective and stuff like that it's instantly recognizable mm. it's easy to to put up so as as simple as it was at the time we're like oh that's pretty boring but um it actually turned out to be really good for us in in the end so um no we love that so we rebranded we introduced packaging as we've discussed we also introduced um not long after that we introduced some new products for the range as well so my mum's an amazing seamstress and i had some ideas of of of, of a bread bag that i wanted to produce and those ideas had really come from our customers also questioning um you know do you have any solutions to this and that and so we were we were really looking for to bring out new products that were actually solving a problem yes um not just bringing out new products for new products sake and so um you know we we um you know i i, I sat there with my mom and, and we designed these these bread bags which was great and she sewed it up and uh you know we we're really really happy with that um and then not long after that i also did the bulk food bags as well so um because there was this sort of uh, you know, growing rise of bulk food stores at the time, mm. and 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 now that's continued to happen over the years. Um, that you see all these incredible zero waste, low waste, um, you know, bulk food stores cropping up all over the planet, um, which has been which has been really great because they're they're such lovely businesses too. They're often owned by you know mum and dad types, and um, you know they're really passionate about reducing waste, and so you always get. An incredible variety of, of beautiful uh, foods to choose from mm. um, and, and sourced, you know, ethically and responsibly. So you can really shop for those kind of places with a great deal of confidence, which we love. So, and we worked with them. We had a couple of really amazing bulk food stores that we worked with, and we said, look, we we, we actually made some some samples, and we said, okay what do you think, you know, what could change, what makes your life easier from a bulk, bulk food store perspective? And and they just gave us their feedback on that. And, and so we were able to put up a product that was really practical, um, that I think is really cute and, um, you know, vintage looking. And, um, you know, so, you know, form and function has got to go hand in hand for me and my design. So, uh, yeah, I, you know, and so, so really just, I guess, in introducing new products and and really, I guess, just trying to increase that that awareness out there. Again, Anya is very much about education and that's quite a hard, that's a hard path to go down because uh, if you have to educate someone in order for them to buy your product, that can be a barrier um, because people may not be aware that they actually need your product or what that immediate need is in their life. Um, you know, you talk all of the time in marketing around um, you know, finding your customers' pain points. Um, that hasn't been so obvious with something like Anya because the pain point we know exists, but the customers often do, don't know that they exist until we explain that to them. And so things like the rise of um, Plastic Free July have just been incredible. Um, Rebecca Prince, whereas I'm, I'm very lucky to call her a good friend of mine, um, and we've developed an amazing friendship over the years. And that started in 2011 uh, in Perth. Um, and she's a Perth girl and I'm a Perth girl. And, and, and so 
she started that just from an office with 11 people doing it. And, you know, now there's hundreds of millions of people a year participating in Plastic Free July. So it's something I'm really proud of for her. She's built an incredible movement. Um, and that's also been really important for us and our business as well. Um, they're an affiliate of ours, we're, you know, we're on their website, but also just from that education perspective, that's really, really helped uh, get that awareness around plastic pollution and people, um, yes, absolutely corporates are responsible for reducing the waste and that needs to be there. Um, but also I think individuals really like to feel empowered. There's a lot of things in the world these days that can make us feel disempowered. Um, and so I think um, being able to take those steps and actually reduce waste and actually see your 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 weekly bin nowhere near as full as it used to be and and just yeah. pat yourself on the back for that you know i think you know you you're taking responsibility and absolutely it's the corporate's responsibility and i 100% agree with that but it's really nice to actually be able to do things yourself as well at an individual level yeah. um and be proud of be proud of reducing your own waste because i think that we need to also as individuals be aware of the waste that we produce um and not always just outsource that to somebody else and that's somebody else's responsibility no you're exactly right and i, and I think you know that probably the the core essence of what's changed in the in the dynamics isn't it is that is that while the problem always existed people weren't aware of it were before but now that they are and everyone is trying to do a little bit better for the environment yeah. and so there's probably so your, your products have switched on ahead from being something you had to educate someone to let you know sell to essentially to someone that is now coming seeking you out because you are the solution to their problem which is great. And you've obviously focused a lot on that whole messaging because one of the things that we teach here at Sustainable E-Commerce is in messaging is you have to have, if you're a sustainable brand, you have to have the duality of solving the customer's problem first. In other words, there has to be a problem that you're solving and your product has to solve that problem. And then secondly, heroing them in the journey, in the mission, because they are the heroes, yes. really. It's, you know, the brand, you're just a facilitator, you're a guide to help them, Correct. which is where the education piece comes in. But I love how that story just comes out on your website as well, just completely effortlessly because you put both of those two things together and it makes it for a really compelling picture, doesn't it? Uh, thank you. Yes, yes, absolutely. It's something that uh, we've definitely learned through trial and error and trying to put things together. And we've had different iterations of our website over the years. So, you know, the one that we're going with sort of at the moment, the one that you'll see um, today is, is you know, I think we're trying to just lift that mood and create that little bit more fun um, around that. And it's so easy to make these small changes. You know, we always say to people, you know, just change change one thing, get confident with that. And once you're confident with that, um, move on to something else, you know. And, and so over time, what you'll find with these little incremental changes is all of a sudden you look back and you're like, wow, I've really reduced my waste. You yeah. don't have to do it all at once, you know, like yeah. make a start. And I think that's, that's the biggest message that we always like to get with people. You know, don't don't paralyze yourself with indecision, you know, just make just make a start, make one thing, do it well, and then add to that over time. Yeah, totally. I, I, that that so resonates with me. And I know a lot of the people listening will think exactly the same. It is about, you know, our job as brands is to activate people, but activate people one step at a time. Like yes. don't make them try to go the whole hog because that'll just make them feel bad. They'll fail yeah. and they'll hate you. Yes. Pointless. Yes. What's better is to go little piece, little piece, little piece. And, and your brand is there to make that easy for them. Yes, exactly. And that comes across so, so strongly in your site, which I love. One of the things you said as well, which I loved was that you said that you, you know, your problems, your, your products that you make are designed to solve a problem. And you've obviously brought out quite a few products into the, on your range since you took the range, which is amazing. So can you tell us a little bit about your, um, you, you know, your product process? How do you, 
how do you come up with new products to add in that are worthwhile yeah. that actually solve customers' problems? Like what what process, what steps do you go through? I must say most of the tips that we get or, or to start us down on that path is uh, they come from our customers ourselves. You know, we do, we'll get a consistent feedback loop of, um, hey, have you thought of this or this or this? And, and you'll hear the same thing come up again uh, time yeah. and time again. And so then we'll say, okay, is there anything that we can actually do about this? Uh, is there, is there, um, we can see that there's a, there's a problem here. Is there a solution that we can come up with that is going to, you know, tick all of, all of the boxes that we need to tick so we can produce it out of either recycled materials, um, you know, that, that you know, what does its end of life look like? What is what does an actual, you know, useful life look like? You know, uh, where does it sit from a carbon emission perspective? So there's a lot of things to, I guess, take into account um, mm. when, when you're designing um, a, a new product. Um, and uh, yeah, and and really, yeah, those those hot tips really come from our customers and 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 where they where they want to go because they're they're out there every day. So we we obviously have our own lives and things that we would find useful, but but then you know all of our customers, you know, multiplied by hundreds or thousands, um, you know, getting their feedback is so powerful for us because um, they're the ones that are out there every day and they they've come across an issue that they haven't been able to solve. And so hearing that feedback is really really important um, for us, and then taking action where we can. Yeah. So as the as the business owner, do you still make efforts to get in front of customers? Do you still go to brand activations? Do you still call customers out of the blue and see how they're going and that sort of stuff? Or do you have you now got a team that does that? No, well, we we've sort of been through stages actually. I I'm actually right now. I I I'm absolutely. I'm I'm back in at the customer care, which is actually where I I love. I love working in that space. And and you know, COVID COVID. I mean, goodness, you just have to say those words and everyone <laughs> judges. Um, you know, so, yeah, start to twitch a little bit. Stop saying that word. <laughs> sorry, sorry. I won't say the, I won't say the C word. Yeah, exactly. That's in the past. It's all, it's finished now. As far as as far as we're concerned, it's finished. It's all gone. <laughs> um, you know, so uh, you know, but but during that period, obviously that was very difficult for not just for us, but I'm gonna say 99% of businesses out there found that period challenging. And so yeah. um for us, we definitely downsized and and we we bought more things back in house again um from from what we were, which has actually been a really, really good thing because it's allowed me to once again just yeah, connect with our customers and you know, yeah, I just just be part of that process again, which which I had yeah. I had you know moved away from a little bit because you know I had the luxury to do that I guess um, but yeah. but yeah it's really it's really nice to be back and I do really enjoy that customer service I think it's I think it's vital I think people especially in e-commerce I think there's a danger because it is kind of a you know it's kind of beyond arm's reach in a way isn't it it's completely opaque yeah. as to who your customers yeah. are most of the time unless you actually reach out and do something about that and it's so easy to just forget that there's real people using your products at the end yeah. of every day and. I've always made a, a principle in, in all of our brands to make an absolute determined effort to speak to five customers every single week, myself personally, as, as, as the owner of the business, because you, you get much more insights into, well, it, how's the product going? Is there any product quality issues? Is there something that we didn't expect coming out of the latest batch from the factory? Is there, you know, how's everything going? But like you said, they are the best source of inspiration for new products because they'll tell you what you're yes. missing. Exactly. You can't buy yes. that. You have to get out and talk yeah. to them. Don't yeah, hundred percent. So powerful. Customer service is sales. It is building your business. Yeah, it's all about that connection. You know. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Very, very important for sure. Yeah, and for that reason, even though even though they almost never deliver much value in terms of profit, well, depending on how how 
how high priced your products are, I suppose, you know, brand activations, you know, going to going to expos and, and, yes. and setting up a stand there. By the time you've paid for the stand, by the time you've got the stock there and, you you know, you spent three days on the stand exhausted talking <laughs> to hundreds of people, you know, there's probably not much value in it from an ROI perspective, but the value you get out of interacting with those people and seeing their their reactions to your product and, yes. and seeing that seeing where they get confused and seeing where they what they like and what they don't yes. like it's totally invaluable isn't it yes yes absolutely no we've definitely done uh, done in plenty of events in the past and um uh you know yeah not not so much in recent times but no, um, obviously. i'm sure i'm sure that'll 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 start to change again you know as we move forward yeah absolutely so you you i think if i'm right you're making your products out of some contract factories in china is that right or you you know do you own your own factory or are you contracting to subcontract no we don't we we do we do contract out we've actually been very lucky i mean i inherited the same um group that john had had been working with um for, for many years before i purchased the business and so the same you know ladies the same you know same group of people have actually been making our products for 10 15 years which is amazing i've obviously visited them personally many times and we have um, an amazing sourcing agent there that that also works with them really closely and as part of our b corp certification of course um, but even before that we also um, make sure that they regularly audited so independently audited so you know for social and environmental audits and things like that and making sure that they they're crossing all that i mean we've worked with them for such a long time now and they they really understand our expectations yeah. and and, and what we do so yeah i mean i think you know it can be a challenge i think at times but i think if you're strict about you know who you're working with and making sure that they are independently audited and that you have got someone able to go in and regularly check up with them which we're lucky mm. to have we we can we know we have eyes on the ground and so we know exactly what's happening at any given time and so so yeah i think i think that's a really important part to have if you're going to work with any overseas um uh, groups as well um, you know it's interesting to me too because obviously you know china actually doesn't have a history of, of child slave labor no. at all um you know it, places like india and stuff like that do um but china does not and uh they certainly have issues sometimes where they've underpaid people which is obviously a concern um or, or you know or, um you know adult slave labor is obviously in certain mm. parts has been has been an issue but there's big swathes of really really good operators in china and so it's really important important to not tar everyone with the same brush because um, there are some really, really good uh, and ethical operators there. Uh, and it's just about seeking them out and making sure that that they're jumping through all of the hoops that you need them to and, and you've checked them out thoroughly. A hundred percent. I mean, I've manufactured in China many times as well. And, you know, my experience is that they can make the worst absolute rubbish things. And also they can make some of the most uh, impressive things, you know, ultimately at a lower cost than we could ever hope to do here in Australia. I mean, sadly, that's the way it is. Uh, which obviously does make a difference when you're when you're when your cost of materials um, is probably higher, given that you're do, you're making sustainable choices. You know, unfortunately, that means that sometimes if you try to make if you try to do the ultimate thing and have it made here locally, so that we're reducing our you know shipping footprint and you know supporting local, so sometimes that just becomes impossible from a price point. So you have to go to China or somewhere similar. You just don't have a choice, especially with materials based things like this. You know, I, I guess it, it, there's no there's no choice. So can you give us some like some really good tips if someone was getting started now and looking for uh you know somewhere to somewhere to uh, partner in china to make this with what would you say what would the, the top things that they would need to do like who would they talk to what do they need to do to make sure that the quality of what they're going to get is is what they're expecting 
Yeah, I think I think the first port of call is to invest in a sourcing agent because that sourcing agent is going to do all of that legwork for you. So you basically then instruct them. They go out, they speak the local language. Uh, I'm really lucky enough to work with a, a chap who's actually an American guy, but he has a Chinese partner, so he speaks fluent Chinese, but he's also American. So I have that lovely combination yeah. of he understands where I'm coming from uh, and he can actually then turn it into Chinese, you know, so that that's a really a, a wonderful benefit. And there are definitely other expats out there as well that that would be in that same um, boat so I think uh, the first port of call would be looking for a good sourcing agent and in Australia there are definitely some you know that they, they advertise a, a bit about mm. um, sourcing agents to China and what have you and they're Australian based so there's definitely a few groups out there I can't think of them in the top of my head I'm sorry but um, but there's definitely some so just definitely google it or whatever you're going to do and um, and and you'll get some options there and so I think that ha- really having um them on the on board with you and and really clearly laying out the the boxes I guess that your suppliers need to tick for you what's important for you uh, and then setting though that sourcing agent loose to then go and do all of that legwork they'll then usually narrow it down to say three three factories or three locations or what have you um, that that you can then um, check out and then you can actually send your sourcing agent out to then go and tour those locations and those factories and really, you know, get get that down. And and then they'll come back to you with a report about, um, you know, these guys ticked all the boxes, but when we went, this wasn't adding up. So, you know, that, you know, so it's really, really important that you physically uh, get someone to go and see those locations as well, because, you know, obviously you can make anything look like anything on, yeah. on in a digital space. So physically having someone to go there. Um, and, and I highly recommend if you, if you have the ability to do that and you are making your products in another country, it's so important to go and visit and really try and build that personal relationship with the place that you're making at, because it just makes that experience a lot richer for them as well as you. So there's not, it's not just a faceless um, kind of company. Um, you know, I, I, you know, for for the people that we work with, um, you know, in China, you know, I've known them over the years and see their see their children grow up, and so I take little gifts for them every time, and um, you know, and and they just get bigger and bigger every time, and and yeah, it's just it's lovely. You sort of become part of that family, um, and I think which is which is really nice, and yeah, I, I you know, so I think it is. You know, we talked about before about having connections with our customers. I think the same is true for our manufacturing partners. Is trying to create that that um, personal connection with them and, and not be a faceless company because you'll get looked after so much better um, if they actually have to look you in the eye and 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 say this is what's being done you know and, and we've been very protected by our um, uh, you know our manufacturing partners they have never manufactured any of our products for anyone else or done any of that sort of stuff so it doesn't say that other people can't just rip us off and copy us in other factories but at least our guys have never ever ever uh, done that kind of stuff, so we're really, really grateful to have that relationship. So, if you if you build if you take the time to build up a good relationship, I, I think it can work really, really well. And as long as everyone's you know on the same page and just making sure that communication is crystal clear from the word go, everyone's like, yep, 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 we get it, right? Let's move, you know. And I think I think that's really important. Yeah, absolutely. And um, I couldn't agree more that the, the, your supplier relationships, you know, never more important than in a sustainable brand where, you know, the questions are going to be asked at some point about your supply chain and, and, and all that. And you've got to be able yeah. to give good answers. You've got to be able to look people in the eye and know in your heart that everything is good. 
because yes. you know you know audits and everything else are great and they, they're nice pieces of paper but ultimately you have to know that you're doing the right thing as well and there's no substitute yes. for that and actually going meeting the people and becoming you know not just taking a tour of the factory but getting in there and seeing how how everything is working uh there's just exactly. no, there's no substitute for that so so i just want to change change tack a little bit now uh ask you obviously you've been at the helm for a period of incredible growth for onya uh so congratulations on that number one but secondly what has been your primary strategy for growing your business? What's working really, really well for you? We look, I, I'm not going to lie. And like everyone else, you know, we, we have been prolapsed by the last couple of years, you know, like that's been really difficult time for us because yeah. a lot of people uh, went back to single use plastic items thinking that they were more hygienic. And so, so, so COVID's been really difficult because, um, you know, people were really changing up what they were doing. So before heading into COVID, actually, we, we were on a, this huge role really, because there was, there was so much that awareness was building in that, in the, in the marketplace and, and, um, you know, people were just really, really wanting to to do everything they could to reduce waste. And because our, I think a lot of people's um, priorities changed during COVID and then it became about surviving, really, at the end of the day, mentally, mm. um, not mm. just physically, but but mentally surviving this this process. And, and, and the world looked very different for, for everyone. Um, and, and I think that then you know, reducing single-use plastic kind of just got shunted down that that list of important things that people were looking at. Thankfully, obviously, we have a really loyal, um, you know, group of uh, businesses, so stockists and and customers that sort of continue to buy from us through this period, and 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 we're so grateful um, for that um, because when lots of other businesses have failed during this time, you know, we we kept on. Um, yeah. So. Actually, the, the thing that I'm proudest of in the last couple of years is surviving, quite frankly. So are we are we yeah, thriving yeah. right now where we used to be? No. Um, but have we survived? Yeah. And I'm really bloody proud of that, I've got to say. Well, I imagine for a product set like yours, which is dominantly about providing a reusable way to bring products home from the shops, when people can't go to the shops, uh, kind of, it, you know, it's obviously going to tamp and demand massively, isn't it? And so I can totally see how that's taken a a big rug pull from from your momentum um, over the past couple of years. So hopefully, hopefully now things are coming back on. Yes, exactly. Now the focus is really just about um, you know how do we how do we pick up that momentum again, and yeah. and, and how do we do that, and and really that's where our focus is at now. So yeah. Um, just yeah, just trying to get people to come around again and 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 resume uh, their life as they once did before. So coming into COVID then and, you know, coming up to your peak prior to COVID, what was, what do you think would, would be your, the main thing that you were focusing on in terms of growing your business? What channel, what, what strategy were you, you were you driving mostly with retail, with ads? Were you mostly uh, B2B? What, how, how was that working? What were you doing? Do you know, Giles, I, I have, I have discovered over the years for me, this is true for me, it may not be true for others, but I don't think there's one silver bullet when it comes to marketing. I think it's a combination um, of good marketing, consistent marketing across different channels. You know, I think, yes, sometimes you can have, uh, you know, one source that's performing particularly well, but but oftentimes it is just that consistent being in different places. I mean, I think they say in retailers, you, you know, customers often have to see your product five or six times before they're, they're either open to it or they're able to buy it. And so mm. being being consistent with that. And, you know, we've, we've done everything from, from TVC to print media, um, to, to socials, you know, we, we've done it all. Um, and so I don't think there is one silver bullet. I think it really is just about being consistent and with your messaging, being out there. And I think 
understanding your customer is really, really important. And that's mm. definitely a journey now that we are reassessing after COVID because, uh, you know, people's mindsets have changed during that time. And, and so we, we kind of, I guess, are doing a reset around, you know, who, who is our customer now? What, what do they look like and what are their priorities? And, you know, and, and how can we be relevant to them? Yeah. So, um, I, I think just really for us, it's about resetting now and, yeah. and, um, and, uh, yeah, having, having another run at it. I, I totally love that because, I mean, if I can put in my words what I think you just said, and I totally agree, it just makes the hair stand up on the back of my neck, um, that you said this, to be honest, or at least I think you did, which was that doesn't really matter what channels you use. Uh, what does matter is understanding your customer because without understanding your customer, you can't clarify your message. And if yes. your message is wrong, none of the channels are going to work. If Correct. your message is bang on, well, you've got you've got the opportunity to make any of them work, and it's then what you focus on that matters. So, I I, I mean, that's what I think you just said, and that's exactly, exactly what we talk about a lot here. Yeah, yeah, no, you did. You said it far more succinctly than I did. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, that was well, the gist of it. Uh-huh. Yeah, I, I love that, and and, and it just and once again, it comes across so strongly, you know, on your website. So, so last tip, if I can ask you this before we before we close up, if you were starting today from a, with a new brand. What would you do differently, or perhaps what advice can you give to somebody that's in those shoes walking today to get their brand into into a period of momentum? I think we we just talked about this, and it's understanding your customer and your market. Because I think if you if you know who they are, you you actually can't step too far wrong because you're mm. always going to be speaking to them. And so I think that you're just going to have that momentum that grows. So providing you're 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 bringing a product out that is a need it's fulfilling a need in the marketplace and you really understand your customer um you can't go too far wrong with those sorts Mm. of things and and, you know obviously aside from creating a quality product and making sure all of those sorts of things are in in place but but i I would say the biggest thing that i've learned over the years uh and that i would have maybe have loved to have known more about in the early days was um was really understanding my customer better Um, and 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 uh, because i think that would have uh, you know, we, I mean, we had a pretty quick trajectory. I'm not going to lie, but but even so, I think that could have even moved things, moved the needle even more. Amazing, great advice. Thank you. So, what is next on the horizon for Onya? Obviously, you you mentioned that you're sort of consolidating, coming back in into COVID. Are you are you already overseas? Are you international already? Is that on the horizon? Yeah, we we have we have a warehouse in the UK. Okay. So we we've been there for the last. We actually uh, opened that in 2019. So, um, so, and then Brexit happened and <laughs> COVID. And, <laughs> and that suddenly made things a lot more complicated as well, didn't it? Yeah. Hey, yeah. Um, so that, that's definitely been challenging. Um, so, yeah, I, I would love to really, really uh, grow that that UK side of the business. I think, um, you know, it, th- there's been a lot of challenging things we've come up against, as we've just mentioned, a few of them. The war in Ukraine, of course, is another. But, um, you know, so so there's definitely been a few things there that have prevented us moving where we wanted to go into the UK and why we made that move in the first place. So uh, we would definitely love to increase our focus um, in that space because I think the potential there is obviously massive. Uh, they, they, get a, they get our product as, as, I guess, a market, which is really, really helpful yeah just we're just such a drop in the bucket there at the moment so i think the potential for growth there is fantastic you know in the australian market we're quite mature you know so we we have um you know we have a lot of coverage here we have a lot of awareness here there's definitely still more to go and then the us of course which is which is a big one so we do have a bunch of stockists in the us as we speak um so but actually being maybe in the US and, and warehousing from there and being there in a more meaningful way, um, it, it have, has potential um, to be 
hugely successful for us there as well. Yeah, do you see the um, B Corp certification as being a stepping stone towards that? Oh, they recognise it easily. Yeah. So it certainly helps. And, yeah. and the same with same with even TerraCycle and 1% for the planet. They're really recognisable there. Um, it's like, I don't know if, it, I don't know how it happens in America, but they tend to send, they, they seem to um, really have this little checkbox of things that they, they tick off, which is different to what we look for in Australia. Um, but in America, all of those things are really, really important to them. Yeah. And so, yeah, to have all of that already, to to go and and to to go into that market full swing, um, which would be great. Yeah. So, um, you know, if we can if we can solidify um, our business in the UK, it would be amazing. Um, that would just really help things and 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 really just work to I guess build up of the Australian market just that little bit more again after it's been through a tough couple of years and then move into the states. So I guess I guess that that's sort of the rough the rough plan. Rough plan. I love it. It's awesome. Congratulations. I'm excited to see how that goes. So, uh, Hayley, where can people go and get your beautiful products? Where can they start shopping more sustainably? Beautiful. We obviously have a bunch of stockists around the country as well. So we always recommend if you head to our website at onyourlife.com. So O-N-Y-A-L-I-F for Fred E, life. So onyourlife.com. Um, you can see all of our products there. And of course, you can buy online from us direct um, or you can check out our stockers list as well. Things to remember with stockers list, it's always hard to know who's got what. So always give them a call first and make sure they've got what you want before you head there specifically. Um, but we love to support our stockists as well. So happy to, to to order direct online. It's a really simple, quick process and obviously safe, secure ordering. So yeah, head over to there and check out and, uh, you know, let's see what we do. Fantastic. Well, Hayley, it's been really good fun uh, chatting with you and, and it's been really inspirational as well. That You've given us so many incredible insights and some terrific, terrific lessons for anyone that's building a sustainable brand. So thanks very much for your time. We really appreciate it. Uh, thanks, Giles. I'm glad I could add some value. Thank you. Back to Giles again for my top three takeouts. And I think for me, one of the biggest takeouts was the importance of understanding your customer, understanding their problems and understanding the pressures they face and how those pressures are impacting their priorities right now. There are always great debates among marketers around what channel is working best, which one you should be using and what strategies are working best. But really, none of that matters if you don't understand your customer. Understanding their pressures implies a regular check-in to see if you're in tune with the customer's view of the world and making adjustments to your messaging accordingly. Sure, some channels will bring you more traffic than others, but nothing will kill your traffic and your conversion quicker than tone-deaf messaging. Secondly, don't dismiss manufacturing in China. There are definitely trade-offs involved, but the harsh reality is Australia simply may not have the manufacturing capability for your product. And even if it does, the cost to produce it here may prevent you from being competitive on price or perhaps worse still, diverting a percentage of your gross profit to the impact programs you want to have. But Haley did recommend some important steps to ensuring your chosen factories meet your expected standards. Chief among those are things like using a local independent sourcing agent, independent auditors to check ethical practices and sustainable sourcing, and regular independent inspections, as well as visiting and getting to know the factory owners and their families yourself. Relationships really do matter when it comes to your supply chain. Lastly, display packaging. How we love to hate it, don't we? But if products are being sold in retail environments, the reality is that packaging needs to take the role of a sales assistant. 
There's a whole art and science to making your packaging stand out on the shelf. But what we're talking about now is making sure that your packaging shows what problem you're solving, how it fits into the customer's life, and of course, what impact the customer will have by adding your item to their trolley. So I hope you enjoyed today's chat with Haley. I'll be back with you again next week with another inspiring founder interview from the world of sustainable e-commerce. So until then, keep building your brand for a healthier planet.